time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number 90 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Mm, this is dark roast from Costa Rica. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so how are you doing? Great. Temperatures have gone down a little bit. Yeah. The garden is coming alive again. Yeah. It's it's good that the animals are so much happier. Yeah. It took me a while to get back in the swing of things mm-hmm. after vacation. I know we were talking last week about getting back and I'm like still not in the swing of things. Well, the truth is our first work day back together after you came home was just nothing but messing around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't help that I pulled a hamstring playing beach volleyball with a huge beach ball (laughs) on the beach. Yes. Our last day there. So walking home through the airport was not fun. (laughs) They're like, oh, look at the old lady who can't walk. There she is. Well, in other fun things, your run is under construction. Yes. We're just trying to get everything settled. The babies are still in the garage, and I call them babies loosely now. Your pullets. They're pullets. Mm-hmm. I will always call them babies until the next little ones come in. You refer to everything as babies. Yeah, if I take care of them, they're babies. Yeah, I'm well. like, I take care of them. So, so you put a picture of a five-year-old hen, and you're like, these babies? <laughs> they're my babies. Yeah, so they're just kind of getting out there. It's a lot of work still, because without the run mm-hmm. done and a place for them to go, yeah. we want to give them time outside, but you have to right. stand outside with them. Our integration is going fairly well, but I had a panicky moment too because Praline, the new Brahma, was squatting. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm not ready to have you in those nest boxes yet. Yeah, there's going to be nest box drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine, I think it was Stella, one of the Jubilee Orpingtons I noticed yesterday. I thought I saw her squat and I'm like, (laughs) no, we need to get that run done first. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to be a little bit of time because that run is major construction Mm -hmm. and we want to do it perfectly. It's going to be amazingly beautiful. So yeah, and I'm like, uh, I guess we could put a portable nest box in with them. Yeah, it's possible. Know, mm-hmm. You know, if they needed it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so those are the chicken trials that are going on here. <laughs> Standing out with nine chickens in the side yard and then the other chickens in the divided run. It's weird. It's a little makeshift around here, but that's okay. It'll it, all get better. forever. Exactly. Exactly. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if I can just take a minute to ask everyone a huge favor if you are listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. Those reviews go a long way to helping us grow. And while you're there, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That's the second thing that helps us grow so much. And you never miss an episode. You don't have to worry. They're all right there. 
You can also tell a friend about the podcast. You have a chicken-loving friend that you think would enjoy our show. Hey, there's a podcast for you to listen to. That's right. (laughs) You can visit our Etsy shop, check out the merchandise we have on offer. Our new mugs should be arriving anytime. We have three different designs. We're super excited. Mm -hmm. You can also become a patron of the show. Visit us at patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is go to our website, check out our affiliate links and our discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah? Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love the chicken pot holders and the Ikea scrub brush. My chickens are going crazy over those grubbly grubs in that box. And the chicken note cards are going to be great to send into school with the teachers. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, time for the breed spotlight, yeah. Yes, this week's breed spotlight, we're talking about the Yokohama. Yes, we are. We love that chicken. We do. I actually have become mildly obsessed with the Yokohama. We are talking about them earlier, and your Ella comes down and takes a look and says, that's a weird-looking chicken. And then you say, I'm going to get one just because you think it's (laughs) weird-looking. So the Yokohama is a beautiful, long-tailed chicken. That's one of the things that are pretty prevalent about it that you're going to remember, that this chicken has a long tail. They look to me like pieces of a ribbon hanging down. It's very pretty. It's Mm -hmm. very pretty. I mean, it is one of the things that you need to really keep them clean, though. Absolutely, yeah. So while the Yokohama has a Japanese name, they were developed in Europe, specifically France and Germany, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries from birds imported from Japan. Right. The original stock used to create them may have been one of the Japanese long-tail breeds. That makes sense. Right. There's a breed that is now extinct called the Minohiki. Mm-hmm. And I'm apologizing in advance to our Japanese listeners because I'm probably really mispronouncing these words. And there were also at least three other long-tailed breeds from Japan named breeds right. that may have been used, including the Shinoaratu. Yeah, you're going to look at this chicken and what you're going to remember the most is the long tail. Is the long tail, absolutely. I mean, and it took many different chickens that have long tails all bred together to get this chicken. I think the diminutive size of them, they're surprisingly small, is probably noticeable too. But all of this naming, all of these breeds, it kind of all went out the window because the Europeans just dropped all of these names in favor of Yokohama, which was the port that the birds were exported from. Yeah. It doesn't tell you a whole, whole lot about the genetics way back, right? but it tells you geographically where the bird came from. That's mostly every breed. Exactly. Yeah. 
In Wright's book of poultry, Lewis Wright mentions that they were heavily crossed with Old English game. Okay. And I can see that because they do have a bit of a gamey appearance to them. Yeah, they do. Some other sources suggest that the outcrossing were with other breeds in the Oriental class, including Malay, Sumatras, and the long-tailed Phoenix. Makes sense. All of that makes sense, right. So here's what you really need to know about the Yokohama. They're currently found on the critically endangered list of the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. And we have numbers. We have numbers. We actually do have numbers after talking to Jeanette. So thank you, Jeanette Berenger and Charlene Couch for sending this extra info to us. So the Yokohama, in the latest poultry census, there were approximately 175 breeding birds in the country, and they were divided into about 20 different flocks. Okay. Which sounds pretty good, right? But more than half of these flocks were small flocks of one to five birds. Yeah. So essentially, the Yokohama is at great risk for extinction right now. To me, 20 flocks doesn't sound like a lot. It's kind of a showbird in a way. I would call it a showbird or a companion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those types of birds, sometimes this is what happens. They fall through the cracks. They fall through the cracks. The availability is tough. We've talked to Jeanette, and she was talking to us about Seabrights. Mm-hmm. If someone takes lots and lots of time in breeding and getting these birds at the top, they're going to want to sell them for a really high price, which right. they're worth. Right. And then people aren't going to want to pay that. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is the availability is not there. Actually, I've got a couple good sources when we get to the end I of know, the spotlight. This one but does. Yeah. I think with them, it's a combination of scarcity and just lack of interest. And I think the other thing is people are scared off by the long tail because, like mm-hmm. I said in the beginning, it does take more work. Yeah. You're going to have to make sure they can jump with the tail, mm-hmm. that it's clean, that it's not dragging and running through right. feces and different things. This chicken is more work. Yes. I think they definitely need more of an aviary sort of an environment that Mm -hmm. you really have control of the substrate. Yeah. Because, yeah, you don't want them dragging around just nasty cakes. I mean, some of their tails can be like four feet long. Exactly. Exactly. So if you are looking to have more of a fancier chicken, this Mm -hmm. would be if you want a companion chicken that kind of hangs out with you all the time. Right. The problem is even just doing that isn't going to help these numbers. Right. Well, at one time, the Yokohamas were very popular as showbirds. Right. You know, and pets as well, garden pet. The males have very long saddle and sickle feathers. And like you said, they require the extra care. But here's the thing. They're also known to be active and curious. So right there. Exactly. Right there. They're friendly and gentle. Right. But they're active. They're curious. They want to be down off the perch, scratching and digging. Basically, they need space to move. Yeah. You're going to be able to hold them and cuddle them, but Mm -hmm. they're going to need space. Yeah. Now, the hens have a long tail, too, but their tail kind of sticks out horizontally. It does. It does not drag on the ground. Exactly. So if you do have a small breeding flock, you're not going to have to worry about your hens. It's the cockerels you're going to have to focus on giving them the right environment for that tail. Right. With their good looks and gentle, friendly personalities, they really make an awesome breed for the chicken lady who loves a fancy bird. Yeah. Like I said, if you want a bird that was a companion that is going to be not one that you're just going to put in the backyard and just be like lay the eggs, this bird is going to need more attention. Mm -hmm. The sad part is the more attention sometimes birds need, the less people want them. Absolutely. But here in this case, if you have the room and you want a conservation project, this is one to take on because these numbers are close to extinction. And for any bird to go to extinction is beyond right. sad. Now, we talked about the Catalana last week. And yeah. the Catalana is in trouble in the U.S. in a big way. There are some Catalanas in Spain right. and in some of the Latin American countries. The Yokohama is endangered worldwide. Right. I checked this to make sure yeah. we had the correct information. And the Yokohama is in trouble all around the world. Yeah. 
I will say that they're on my radar in a big way, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> you can see them in your flock. I can see a whole flock of Yokohamas <laughs> in my flock, <laughs> but we shall see. Like you said to Ella, you're going to get them. I might. I'm going to get, and my first hen, I'm going to name her Ella. I think you need to do that. <laughs> so at one time, there were several color varieties of the Yokohama, but now there are only two recognized. The, the white, white and the red shoulder. And the red shoulder. And the red shoulder is the result of the white gene being incomplete dominant to the red gene. Okay. So that you get that splash of red over their shoulder. It's a very pretty bird. Yeah. Both the white and the red shoulder were accepted in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection back in 1981. Not that long ago. Right. Were you and I in middle school in 81? <laughs> yeah, we mm. were, what, nine? Yeah. They are small-bodied birds. They're birds small enough that you might be able to put them in with the bantam breed, and they would be just fine. That's possible. The roosters weigh in at about four pounds, and the hens are like three, three and a half pounds. Yeah, they're These not are that small big. birds. Yeah. yeah, they have a walnut comb, tiny waddles, yellow legs, red ear lobes, and these kind of intense orange red eyes. Yeah, they do have an intense look to their mm-hmm. face. The chicks are very pretty. They're a very pretty mix of yellow, cream, and tan. Okay. And one of the things you want to note about the chicks for the Yokohama, it was the same with the phoenix. They need extra protein when they're growing these feathers in. Well, yeah, of course. Let's look at it this way. So when your chicken molts, right, Mm -hmm. and they have to grow all these new feathers, they don't lay eggs because it takes so much more protein and calcium to grow these feathers. So that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you're growing a feather that's four feet long, yeah. That's pretty long. Both the hens and the ruse have extra feathering, so they both need extra protein. Yeah. But you've got to watch those cockerels, I'm sure. You have to be really oh, careful. yeah, for sure. Good nutrition for them. So you'll find differing information about their laying. Okay. Some sources say that the hens only lay for a few weeks and then they go broody. But I found several other sources that say the little hens are, I don't know if you could call them good layers, but they're fair layers. Fair to um, midland. Well, I saw 80 to 100 eggs. Okay. Which isn't fantastic, but no. it's not terrible. Well, it goes back to saying that this is not a chicken that you're going to get for backyard egg farming. No. This is a companion <laughs> chicken. Yes. And this is a chicken that if you want to help bring back a chicken from near extinction, then that's what you're doing as a conservation effort. It's a companion chicken that does contribute something. At the amount of chickens I have, I don't need her to be a good liar. Exactly. If you have over, I'd say, 20 chickens, at that point, they all mix in and it really you, doesn't matter. Yeah. You're going to have a like mix. a family of 15, there's going to be more <laughs> eggs than you can eat. Yeah. It sounds like the laying ability may be tied to specific genetic lines. Right. Murray McMurray reports that their Yokohama hens are fair layers. Right. And they lay a small tinted or cream colored egg. Right. When you have pets and you love them and they're your companions... Your dogs are not laying you breakfast, lunch, or dinner every day. Heck no. You're there as a companion to share love. It's the same thing with a chicken. If a chicken can lay an egg, that's a plus to me. Mm -hmm. If a chicken can't, they're still worth all that they're worth. If you are just looking for a bare bones homestead breed, you're not going to get a Yokohama. No, I mean, you might want to get that along with your other breeds that are giving you lots of eggs. Yeah. But they're not one that you're going to get all of those if you're looking for eggs. Right. If you're looking for a companion and a pet, Mm -hmm. this is a very good chicken for you. I can't say it enough, and I know I've said it a lot, but Conservation Project, this chicken needs help. 175 breeding birds, and they're endangered worldwide. Yeah. Things are looking kind of dire for the Yokohama right now. Yeah, they really need some help. If this is something that you're thinking about getting into is helping a breed, this is one that needs the help. Mm -hmm. Do the research, figure out where you can get them, and there's a good place where you can get them. There is some support out there. There is a Yokohama Chickens of America Facebook group. Right. So you can join that. 
always try to reach out to breeders. Mm -hmm. You can try the Livestock Conservancy's Breeders Directory. And the final, but our favorite of all, is McMurray Hatchery does carry them. They have a beautiful line of red-shouldered Yokohamas. So that's why they're in our hearts so deeply, because these breeds that need such help, they make efforts to help save them. I've read some people saying that they got excellent quality Yokohama birds from Murray McMurray. I can imagine. Our birds that we got from McMurray. They're gorgeous, beautiful Gorgeous, beautiful. One of the beauties of this is you can order some Yokohamas from Murray McMurray Hatchery and decide whether it's a conservation product you would like. See how you like having them. Well, order two to four birds and just see what you like. Right. And if you want to go on, you do. If you don't, then you've given these birds a chance to live. Mm -hmm. Having them through McMurray Hatchery is such a plus because it's so readily available for any of us to go to McMurray Hatchery and go to their beautiful website and say, I want that bird, order it, and it comes to you. Right. And let's say you get a set of gorgeous hens that are APA standard, really good quality. And at that point, maybe you want to find a breeder with an unrelated cockerel to work on a breeding flock from. There are options here for this bird, and it's a little bird that needs a lot of help, and it's a little bird that uh, I can see in my flock. Well, you already saved the Nankin, so the Yokohama's My next. nine Nankins <laughs> saved you. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, if you haven't listened to last week's interview with Jeanette Berenger about the 2021-22 poultry census, you want to go check that out because yeah. there are so many birds on the critically endangered list now. That information is very serious when mm-hmm. you're talking about breeds that are no longer going to exist right. due to them not being bred anymore. And you can it's make a, big a difference. Deal. What did I tell you earlier? I was doing some research and I stumbled across an old version of the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list from 2009. Yeah. And what was the bird that was in the critically endangered well, category? Well, you told me to guess. And the thing is, you I guessed, guessed it. Right. You guessed it right away. <laughs> I was like, salmon favorols. Yes. When we started this podcast a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. they were off the radar. I'm not saying this is from us, but I'm saying this is from people making things aware to other people. Right, right. And then it's like, oh, no, let's put this bird out there. It's a really cool bird. I mean, just think about the fact that in 2009, they were critically endangered. And now they're very popular. They've been moved into the recovering category, which is amazing. So we all do have the power to help this. Yeah. And you're going to see them in your flock and you're going to have Ella help you with them. It could happen. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosties' store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water a nipple, and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosties range or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so it's about that time we move into main topic. Yeah. Yeah. And this main topic is one that we get questions almost daily. Constantly, yes. About. So we figured we would take another look at... Run substrate. Because run substrate can be confusing, I feel, to some people. Yeah, yeah. 
what to use and what you shouldn't use and what's out there. Right. So we're going to go through and list your options and talk a little bit about each option that you have. Right. The pros and cons. Yeah. Number one, grass. Ha ha ha. Well, it's yeah. not going to last long. So grass is the best and it's yeah. going to last one day. Pretty much. <laughs> now, depending on your setup, you'd have to have a big setup for this. Yeah. But you can develop some rotational grazing. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you shut off one side for a couple months or yep. whatever. And let if it you had over. a really big run area, you could definally rotationally mm-hmm. graze within the run yeah. and let them do that. The thing is, green grass in a run itself is really laughable because they eat it as quickly as it's going to come They up. eat it and then they scratch it up. Yep. Because they want to look for bugs and that's what chickens do. They turn things over. That's what they do. So if you have grass now, enjoy it. And actually, think about that. Chickens aren't really indigenous. They're, they're jungle fowl. And in the jungle substrate, they would be turning over loam and decaying leaves. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're constantly turning stuff over. Yeah, it's what they do. So it's kind of natural for them to take that grass and just tear it apart. And be yep. like, ah, I got to see what's under here. Yes. <laughs> that's what they're going to do. Yeah. So the next option is the one that we use. Yes. This is one that we have each used the longest and like the best. And it's wood chips. Wood chips. Now, the wood chips we have are from completely untreated timber. You can go to your local landscaping company or tree removal company and ask them. Sometimes I have people in my neighborhood that get trees down. And the thing there is that you can ask if that's been treated chemically. Oh, yeah. Like my neighbor across the street just had two trees taken down. Nice wood. And never any pesticide Mm -hmm. ever on them. So I went over to the landscaper. And, you know, landscapers usually have to pay to dump those. Often, yeah. So if you are willing to take them, they will give them to you for free. Right. I have a mound in which now Joe is like, holy moly, we need to get through this. That's a pretty mound of wood chips out there. (laughs) I like it. The most important thing here to take away is they cannot be treated with any pesticides. Exactly. So a service like Chip Drop can be great, but there's often not a way to know whether or not the tree was treated. Right. That's the problem with it. Exactly. So in my community, a lot of people have trees Mm -hmm. and a lot of trees come down. Right. So I'm usually pretty good. Yeah. Now, wood chips, we've seen some people say a few things when you have wood chips as a substrate that they can promote bumblefoot a little bit easier than others. I guess it's possible. Honestly, I have not seen a higher rate of bumblefoot Me either. with my flocks. In the years I use wood chips, it's no greater than the years before I use wood chips. I agree. And at that point, my birds were pretty much on dirt. And I've used nothing but wood chips right. from the very beginning. And you and only then, had very occasional bumblefoot. Yeah, and then it's dirt under. Yeah. I feel like, and I've said this a thousand times and I'm going to say it a thousand more, The number one thing that promotes bumblefoot in a flock is the roosts. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If they're going to walk around and get a micro cut, they have to sit on something that brings bacteria. Exactly. They're so light. They're barely even pushing down on those wood chips. Right. And they're usually pushing them around. Oh, yeah. Generally. To see what's going on. It's been so hot lately that mine have dug huge craters in the wood chips and made dust baths (laughs) underneath. But yeah, the wood chips will break down over time. But they take longer. They do take longer. Which is nice. And they actually break down into a nice topsoil. Mm -hmm. So I know in your case, you scoop, when it gets really built up, you scoop it off the top and use it in your garden. Yeah. Which is perfect. That's what I do. I usually once a year take a foot off Mm -hmm. and then go put it in the gardens. Okay, so let's move on to another wood product. Mm -hmm. Wood shavings. Now, wood shavings are not going to last you nearly as long. No, they really don't. We tend to use wood shavings in the winter as a quick fix when there's snow and the chickens don't want to come out of the coop. Or when it's really wet, even in the summer, Mm -hmm. I use pine shavings in my coops. Right. Once a week, I clean out my shavings of my coops. 
they go on to the floor of my run and they break down naturally there. Right. So I don't even move them to a compost pile. I let them compost right in there with the chicken. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And for a long time, you were the only person I know who did that. But I recently saw a permaculture yeah. setter who does it. Yeah. He does exactly the same thing you do. Yeah. I don't know why. I've never tried it. I think for me, that's just like, I'm an old-fashioned farm girl. And yeah. you, you had your compost pile. Yeah. But I do like it. I think it's a good idea. Well, I'm a little lazy with it because I don't have to move it to a compost pile. I clean out the wood shavings. The poop's still in there. So the poop's going in the soil of the right, run, which right. makes that even better when you take it out to use it for your garden. Yeah. So yeah, the wood shavings are definitely an option, but you're going to be buying a lot of them. You are. Now they're inexpensive and it's easy to just cut open a bag and empty them in the run. Yeah. So if you want to use them, absolutely. We feel like they're good for certain situations. Our coops are both wood shavings all the time. Yeah. Another option is shredded leaf mulch. Yes. There's some good things, some bad things about that. Right. First, you have to shred it yourself with like a, a mulching mower. That's not good. Yeah. That's not a good plus. <laughs> I mean, if you have a ton of leaves and you need to use them. My place, honestly, we don't do anything with the leaves. We leave them break down in place because we're really concerned about housing for pollinators over the winter. Right. I don't do anything with my leaves either. Yeah. I let them stay in the gardens because I feel like it protects the soil under it. Yeah. And they break down nicely. Yes. But you can, if you have a ton of leaves, you can shred them yeah. and then spread them out. Your chickens will love it. They love going through leaves. And the downside to that is you may get a leaf eater yeah. and it may be a problem <laughs> in the crop. Right. So you have to watch them very carefully right. and see, are they eating too much of this? I gotta tell you, and you know this already, and if you're a longtime listener, you know this. I used leaves in my runs as boredom busters for years and years. Oh, yeah. And then I got Brahmas and Eclair and Madeline packed themselves full of leaves. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have to watch. <laughs> You have to go through your experience and what works the best for you. Mm -hmm. What works best for both Holly Ann and I are the wood chips. And I would imagine some of this might have to do with your climate and your region as well. Right. If you're in a place where you can't get wood chips very easily, you're going to have to figure out another option. Right. So let's go to a little bit more expensive option, but it's neat and clean, and that's gravel. Looks great. You have to use very fine gravel, though, because it's, it's going to be hard on their feet, too. Right. It has to be the round pebbles. Right. It can't be angular rock. That's one quick way to get bumblefoot at that point. Yeah, cut their feet up on they rocks. They have to yeah. be smooth and rounded. Right. So when they're walking on them, it's not going to cut the feet. So something like pea gravel or right. similar, it, it has to be washed smooth or tumbled smooth. And then when they poop on it, you actually just hose it. Yeah. And then you can get it delivered in bulk. That's, That's way fun. cheaper than buying it by the bag. Yeah. That'll set you back a small fortune. Oh, yeah. Plus you have to move all those bags. <laughs> oh, heck yes. And then the last final one, not one of my favorites. I know a lot of people use it. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites and it's sand. Yeah. I don't like it either. I'm not sure why. Around here with the humidity and moisture that we have, there are instances where sand has grown fungus or things like that in right. it. Bacteria. It's really a place for fungus to grow. And I say this, like we went to Outer Banks one year, a few years ago, and the kids were in the surf the whole time. Nobody else but Sophia picked up ringworm from the sand. Yeah. You don't think about what can grow in wet sand, and there's a lot. And let's put it out there. The sand's going to be wet a lot. And I always worry about sand getting in somebody's eye. That's my worry, too. causing an infection that way. The good thing about it is you can scoop right. it easily. But laying in sand, it's always going to be all over them. It's kind of messy to me. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion on it. It is an option. I know people use it to great effect. Yeah. Actually, when alpaca farming was really popular, 
a lot of people used it with their alpacas because wood chips would ruin their wool. Right. I always used straw because it's easier to pick out of the wool. And I was always afraid, like what you were just saying, they could sand in their eyes or yeah. something like that. So again, this comes down to your flock, your run, what works for you. Exactly. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not going to be the right choice for you. Now, we did leave something off of our list. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason for it. But we should really at least mention it. Right. And it is straw. Both of our chickens, Gertie and then Eclair, at the same exact time when we put straw down for the winter, had crop impactions due to eating too much straw. If you have one straw eater, you can never use it again. It's not good. So if you have somebody that's going to eat it, it's not a fun thing to go through, believe us. And I used chopped straw thinking it would be better. And I did not. And And yet... Both cases. (laughs) We had impactions within a week of each other. They both required surgery. Multiple surgeries Mm -hmm. on both. Some people use straw in their coop and their nest boxes and their run, and it works great for them. All it takes is one eater of the straw. Right. And that's the thing you want to look at. The wood chips are good because they're big and the chickens aren't going to eat them. Right. And really, there are two other things we could put on here. I would say straw, hay, and hemp. Yeah. And they kind of all fit in the same category. If you have an eater of them, then you can't use them. If not, they could work great. The hemp, I think, absorbs the most moisture. Yes. But it's also more expensive. Right. And you might get one who eats it. They do eat it sometimes. Yes. Hay. Now, hay is usually way longer pieces. Yeah. And it just turns into a big mess. The other thing with straw and those types of things that I don't like is that they hold moisture very easily and that they give a very moist place for fungus to grow. Right, they do, yeah. If you look up different things, like the first thing that you're worried about with straw crop impaction is, was it moldy? Because then you have botulism going on. Well, the seriosis as well. Yeah. Same thing. So you don't want to bring in something that's going to create more of a problem for you down the road. Right, exactly. So it's, again, what you need, what is good for you, what you can get your hands on that works for you. There's one more thing. This doesn't really count as substrate, but it's something that would work if you need to fix an icky place in your run. Pallets mm-hmm. and stall mats. Yeah. Stall mats on pallets or stall mats on their own over a right. If you have a really muddy spot, you just put a pallet down. Yeah. And it gives that spot underneath time to dry Let out. Let them get up out of the mud. Yeah, exactly. And it gives them a nice dry place to I go. I mean, they'll eventually muck up the pallet. It will eventually get muddy. Yeah. But then and you can just burn it afterwards. I suppose you could burn it. Yeah. I don't think I could get away with burning it in my neighborhood. Really? Well, let's put it this way. Plenty of people burn. But the way we sit at the top of a hill, our smoke would just go right down onto everyone. And it's other livestock. And I don't want people's animals to be breathing smoke. I would just compost it. Yeah. We have a working fire pit. Yeah. So a working fire pit. (laughs) Meaning it is often utilized. Oh, yes. Yeah. Burning is one of those things where, I mean, it's great if you can do it, but I don't want people's horses breathing smoke. So, yeah. Okay. So those are our choices for substrate. Again, if you feel that you have any questions, don't hesitate to message us, email us, and ask us Mm -hmm. because it's always better to be safe than sorry. Yes. And a lot of questions we get are, what do we use? And that's exactly what we use, our untreated wood chips. Right. In our run. Right. And they like to push it around. You can put more in. You can put a big pile in. They can work the whole thing. They love it. They love it. If I'm trucking wheelbarrow loads of wood chips over to the run, I don't even spread it. I just let them do it. It's like a boredom buster. Yeah, yeah. They're all looking through it and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. This week, this is a really yummy recipe that we're going to do. This week's cracking the eggs is cheesy zucchini muffins. 
Zucchinis are everywhere. Well, right now they're exploding in the garden. And, you know, they're the ones you forgot that are like the length of a baseball bat. Yes. Yeah. That's what you use for this recipe. Yeah. This is the time of the year if you love zucchini to be all into it. And this is a great recipe for using stuff you've grown yourself. So you've got your eggs, your zucchini, and then it uses some different herbs. So chives, oregano, and basil. Yeah. All of them chopped fresh herbs. Yeah. So if you have them in your garden, this is one of those recipes that can use a lot of your harvest. Yeah. That's fun. It's great. So usually muffins are pretty straightforward in yeah. making. Yep. Put your dry and then you add your wet into your dry. Right. Essentially, that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to whisk all your dry ingredients Mm -hmm. and then mix all the wet, including the shredded zucchini, together. Yes. And the thing with zucchini is you have to make sure you get as much of the moisture out that you can. Because if not, you will have a soggy muffin. You absolutely will. So you're going to grate it. And then people do it different ways. Some people just squeeze it over the sink. I do the tea towel method. You can do the, the tea towel, yep, where you wrap it in a tea towel and then you squeeze it that way yes. and let the excess liquid come out. Whatever works. Okay, so you're going to preheat your oven to 350 degrees and then you're going to grease or spray your muffin tins. I use paper. Sometimes I even use my silicone reusable Oh, yeah, papers, you can. Mm-hmm. And you're still going to spray those yep. so that the paper doesn't get stuck. I generally forget to get paper, so I just spray my muffin tins and it's fine. I do it both ways. I turn them out after they've cooled about 10 minutes and they usually don't when stick. When the girls were little, we all it was fun to find papers. the papers, yep. all it, different kinds. It is fun, yeah. So you're going to whisk all that stuff together, put the wet stuff in, and then pour them in your muffin tins. Yeah. The last thing you mix in is your shredded cheddar cheese, obviously, because I cannot have gluten and dairy. I've included the substitutions. I used Daya shredded cheddar. It tastes really good. And it actually gets melty, too, which is nice. And then Bob's Red Mill all-purpose flour. Yeah. And this is a buttermilk recipe. So buttermilk. if you need to make your own buttermilk, you want a tablespoon of vinegar or lemon juice, and you're going to put that into a cup of regular milk or non-dairy milk, stir it, and then let it curdle for 10 minutes. There's your homemade buttermilk. There you go. Super easy. So then you're just going to use a rubber spatula just to make sure all the ingredients are completely blended, Mm -hmm. and then pour them in and bake them for about 45 or 50 minutes. The handy-dandy toothpick method. Yeah. Or my mom always gave me a lot of those ones that were like pre-made for cakes. Oh, the little tester. Yeah. Yeah, the testers. Make sure they come out clear. Bring them out and enjoy them with a cup of coffee with your bestie and talk over chicken. It's a little bit of a long bake because there's so much stuff in there yeah. and the zucchini. It's almost like, you know, like the pumpkin breads and everything. Yes. When you add the shredded vegetables in, it takes longer. It's definitely a longer cook time, but it's worth it. These are really delicious. And I even considered what it would be like if you mixed in some shredded carrot or maybe a little bit of corn. I could see that. Pretty good. Yeah, it would be very like good. Like a whole harvest muffin. So anyway. try it. Send us your pictures. We'll love to see them. Okay, so I think it's about that time that we move into retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. This week's retail therapy is a little bit different. We are doing a rescue spotlight. Mm -hmm. So this week we have Jessie. She is the owner of the Mini Farmer's Sanctuary. And we sat down with her and talked all about running a sanctuary. Enjoy. You're in South Carolina, correct? Yes. We're in Greenville, South Carolina. Welcome. Thank you. Jesse. tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Do you have any background with animals? Absolutely. So I was basically born around animals. We grew up in an old, really old farmhouse. I was the fifth generation then. We had pigs and goats and chickens, of course. (laughs) And my dad, he was super into animals too. So that's kind of what started it. So yeah, I've been around it since the beginning, and I actually didn't start our sanctuary, though, until about four years ago. 
my son started that and it just kind of happened out of nowhere. And now we have 40 something animals and busy every day. <laughs> yeah, I that, bet. That's what I was going to ask you. So what was the inspiration behind starting the sanctuary? So actually, I grew up with a lot of health issues. And like as a kid, I was in the hospital a lot. And so that's kind of what started the whole animal thing with my family is they realized I had such a big love for animals and that it helped me like as therapy and it would get me out of the house and I wasn't depressed or sad anymore. So that's what started it. And then, you know, I grew up and other stuff happened. And then me and my son decided to move to Greenville and we saw on Craigslist that somebody was trying to sell a potbelly pig for food. Oh. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and yeah. he, was, he was a big pig, but he was still young. And so I just looked at my son. I was like, we're going to have to go get him. So we did. <laughs> and his name is Clover. And he is still with us today. Nice. Um, that's awesome. Yes. I have a Clover, too. I have a Clover chicken. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it's a good name. What I want to talk about are what types of animals that you have right now, about how many do you have, and, and what types of animals do you have on the sanctuary? So right now we have about 40 animals, and they range from potbelly pigs to huge farm pigs to goats. We have a ram, we have a mule, a donkey, a cow. We just rescued a baby duckling yesterday, and we have two rabbits. We're usually swarmed with chickens, so it's so crazy that at this moment we do not have chickens but normally you'll probably have chickens tomorrow the day after the interview you'll have more chickens again anybody listening that follows your social media they'll know that you had a very special chicken that just passed away just recently sunshine who was blind and had lots of health problems who lived out her life very peacefully on your sanctuary you gave oh, her yeah. so much love yes I love all chickens and they're all so sweet, but she was, to me, she was just so loving. Like she reminded me of a cat, like when a mm -hmm. cat, they rub on you and um, all that stuff. And she did that constantly. And not only with us, but also our animals, like she was really close with our mini donkey, Dizzy, around together. And she would just kind of, I mean, she couldn't really see him, but she could hear him. So she would just kind of follow him. She just completely touched her heart. So it was devastating when it happened. But at the same time, we knew it was going to happen. What breed of chicken was she? Rhode Island Red? Rhode Island Red, okay. Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> well, it's so lucky for her that you were there and able to give her a place to live out. Being blind and being a chicken would be very difficult. Absolutely. That's yeah. for sure. The reason why she came to us was because her flock, where she was originally, wanted nothing to do with her, like discarded yeah. her. But then when she came here, we also had to separate her from other chickens, too, because the same thing was happening. But as long as she was around any other animal, they loved her. And so you're exactly right. Chickens have a way of sensing flock mates or other chickens who are not yeah. up to par health wise because it's instinctual in their breeding to stay strong as a flock and the weak link they want out. Yeah. So unfortunately for the chickens who are feeling a little under the weather, we've yeah. seen it happen. And I have one now. Gertie, who was very ill, who is still not in the flock, and she's living on her own. She's living her best life with us. We're her flock, but it's kind of the same thing. I'm so glad that you were there for her. What does it take to start a rescue from the ground up? We kind of just fell into it. Once we moved here, there is a large vegan community here who heard that I rescued a pig and that I had the property and the land for it. And so they just started reaching out to me. It's like, hey, I have this pig or hey, I have this animal. And I was just, yeah, I couldn't say no. Once I saw a picture, it was over. So yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
So we did kind of just fall into it. There's so many animals out there who need help. So it is easy to start with animals and bring them in. But the hard part is taking care of them and having the funds to take care of them. Yeah. And I mean, it's a lot of hard work. We're up before the sun. We come back inside when the sun's already down. So, you know, it's very long days. It's hot, you know, in the summertime. And even though we're a nonprofit and we're donation-based, we don't always get donations, especially since COVID. It's gotten a lot worse. Uh, fiance, he's working three jobs now just so I don't have to close the sanctuary. You know, it is really hard, but it's so worth it at the end of the day. Like, I can't imagine living without any of them. How Go much ahead. acreage is the sanctuary? Right now, we have two acres. There is property connected to us that at the moment our neighbor has. And so we either will use their property as well, or eventually we would buy the property to add on to it. Just right now, we're wanting to stay small just because of funds. And I just had a baby and <laughs> there's just a lot on. <laughs> you talk about getting up at the sunrise and not stop until the sunset. This is where we are too right now. We have yeah. between us over 50 chickens. I have dogs and a parrot. Holly Ann has sheep and alpacas and llamas. So we kind of <laughs> know where you're sitting here. So what does a day in the life of owning a sanctuary look like? You have to start out really early. You have to make sure they always have fresh water. If anybody has a pig, you know, that's like the hardest thing because the first thing they want to do is get in the trough and, <laughs> and it gets really dirty. And so that feels like a constant battle. So you just have to make sure they always have fresh water. And then, of course, you have to feed them. And, you know, you have to scoop poop. <laughs> That's a big one is the poop. So just keeping everybody's areas clean and bedding. You have to put out bedding and making sure everything's fresh. So it is like really, really long days. And, you know, I love it. I love the hard labor, to be honest with you. Me keeping active is an important thing for my health. So I enjoy it. And I think that's why I'm able to stick with it, keep the sanctuary. It's worth it at the end. The other thing I want to mention is looking at your website, you do do adoptions. So if the animal is placeable in another home, once the animal recoups and if they can, if everyone can go on the website, you do adopt out the animals to a suitable home. So yeah. that's really nice also. And yeah. you have a list on your website of the animals that are adoptable. My favorite here is little Penelope, this yeah. little one, the small pup belly pig. She is super cute on here. She is. She actually inside with us for most of her life. And then she just got too big for our little house. <laughs> so she's, <laughs> she's like, no, let me back in. But yeah, we have an adoption application. So even if there's not an animal on there that somebody sees and is wanting, or if there's, you know, in the future, they're thinking of maybe adopting a cow, just so I have that information. So if I know if there's somebody out there who wants this type of animal and I need to rescue this animal, then I could already have that lined up. It's super convenient. And we just adopt out five pygmy goats to four different families. And they're living their best life on huge farms now. So <laughs> it's that awesome. has to make you feel so good to oh, rescue yeah. them, give them a safe haven to wait for that perfect home to come. Yeah. Or if not, they have it with you. And those yeah. animals, we always say know it. Rescue animals know when you help them. They're always so gracious back and they love you forever. Absolutely. Do any of the animals have special needs? I know that's the reason that a lot of animals end up in a rescue situation to begin with. They're all special in their own way. Because <laughs> I usually get the ones that nobody wants. 
Like right now, we have a duckling who came in and that the reason why we rescued him is because his mom abandoned him because he is having leg issues and cannot walk properly. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And I always have issues right now because he's so young, but there's definitely major issues going on with him. We had Sunshine. He was blind. We have Peppa. She's a pot belly pig who came here who was attacked by dogs. And so she has a really leg. I know there's probably a lot more that I'm just completely going blank on. <laughs> those are the ones that completely touched my heart, 100%. So those are always the ones that are special to me. So I try to take those in because if not, usually they get put to sleep or something terrible. So yeah. I was going to ask, do you have a veterinarian that you work with that helps the yeah. sanctuary with the veterinary care? And Absolutely. We actually have a few. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it depends on the size of the animal. In the type of animal, because um, we also take in, we rescue dogs and cats as well. Um, wow, you guys have everything. I know. <laughs> I can't say no. So this is the issue. <laughs> it's good that I rehome them, because if not, we would be overpopulated with animals. <laughs> so. No, but the world is better with people like you out there that want to give back to these animals. You're very special to do that. And it's a very, very good thing. So what is your setup? Like when you have chickens, do you have coops and runs outside or do you have barns for the cow? We have a huge chicken run. I actually saw y'all's chicken run. It's around the same size. We actually have a couple chicken coops and then we have a bunny hutch area. And then we have a big area where there is one gun. And then we have a mini mule and a mini donkey dizzy and they all graze in the same area. We have to keep this goat separated from our other two goats because she's our only female. So, yeah, and then we have a special area just for the pigs. We're there just getting muddy and making a mess and all that. And then our cow, Strawberry, she has a huge barn for herself. And she kind of just hangs out with whoever she wants with. <laughs> so she mixes it up. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That sounds like you have quite the setup there and able to help. Absolutely. So what kind of things can our listeners do to help your sanctuary? There's many ways. They can go to our website at theminifarmers.com and there's a list of different things they can do with donating. You can go to our Amazon wish list and just donate tractor supply gift cards. I have a list of those on there. You can drop off feed bags, a bell of hay. If you don't want to just give money, that's completely understandable. And you can just do feed hay or gift card. At the time, we're not needing volunteers, but in the future, we would definitely need volunteers. So volunteering, even if you can't do any of that stuff, the biggest way to help is by also sharing and liking our posts, just being active with us on social media. That actually helps more than think it does. The more likes and comments, the more people will see it. For sure. The more that you're out there and people know that you're out there, the more help in return that you'll get and these animals will get. And if you're local in South Carolina, again, which part of South Carolina are you in? Greenville, South Carolina. You can either drop donations off, do it via Amazon. You might be needing volunteers soon locally. The links will be on our show notes. Is there a donate button on your page? Yes. As soon as I pop up on my website, there's the first thing that does take us to our PayPal, but there's also other links where you can go if you don't use PayPal, like Venmo or Zelle or any of those other ones. So just trying to make it easier for everybody. That's amazing. Now we're going to leave with what is your favorite breed of chicken? Because every guest that comes on, we ask. I've been sitting on this since I knew I was going to do this podcast with you. <laughs> I love them all. Like, how am I supposed to pick just one? The Silkies. 
they're so fluffy. <laughs> we never get those type of chickens in our sanctuary, but if we did, I would die. But I really do love all chickens. I would take in any of them. <laughs> it really, really is an unfair question that we put out there. But every yeah. single guest that comes on, we ask them. We can't even answer the question. So oh, that's no. why it's completely unfair. Yeah. We but- have like 25 favorite chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. surprised that you haven't ended up with a silky rooster yet. I have a feeling that's in your immediate future. I'm actually yep. surprised that you don't have a lot of roosters. Yeah. We have been contacted before about roosters and we've taken plenty in. There was one week where it felt like everybody was contacting us and it was when I was having my baby and it was like, hey, there was somebody needing and I was like, I can't take your rooster right now. So they ended up finding homes for them. So it all worked out. That's good. good. That's great. Good thing about roosters is if you have a flock of all roosters, they do really well together. As long as there's no girls in there, they're great. But Jesse, it's been so great meeting you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. If you're listening to this rescue spotlight, please try to help, even in the smallest way possible. And if you're close, making a donation. If not, hit that donate button. Even $5, whatever you can do, can help the sanctuary and help these animals every day. You're such a sweet person. Thank you so much, you guys. It's a pleasure to have you on, Jesse. And maybe we'll check in with you again in the future. Absolutely. I had a fun with you guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. We just want to say thank you to Jessie one more time for taking the time out of her busy day to talk with us. It was a fun conversation. Go check out her website. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are featuring another one of the endangered heritage breed chickens, the La Flesh. Yes. For our main topic, we're joined by the brilliant Libby Siddle to talk about grooming chickens. Cracking the eggs, we're going to do my mango nectar cake recipe. Uh-huh. So good. And for retail therapy, we're going to be comparing a couple different brands of dust bathing powder. That should be fun. For your poultry. What should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.